0: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at UCSD.edu.
1: Wash up and welcome back to another episode of No Sillers Podcast with your host. Now nah, fuck that with your low glasses Malone. P Dog. P Dog.
2: We're back in it. We are back in it.
1: Woop woo. What's crazy is earlier today, right, I was reading the comments I had did a um, a dope conversation with Bond First. Bond First is like a, so there's a lot of uh, YouTube channels that are dedicated solely to Tupac and things of Tupac's legacy, which is amazing. You know, I, I grew up in there with where Tupac was like the underdog. And um, so that, you know, to have people dedicate complete channels and media to his his very existence of, of 24, 25 years is amazing. Um, I did a, a conversation with a, a, a platform called Bond First and uh, John and um, Reggie White. They both, Reggie Wright was running Death Row for a while and John worked at Death Row for a while. Gotcha. Um, so they're super knowledgeable on the music business. Super We talked to Reggie
2: before, things. right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. We talked to Reggie. Yeah. yeah. That's the Chronicles. Yeah. So we, we, you know, all things knowledgeable when it comes to death row. And, um, they were the first platform. Once I dropped, this is the third anniversary. You know, July 17th is the third anniversary of Tupac must die of me releasing it. And, um, we did a conversation. We were talking about different things and to watch people in the comments, you know like antagonize or attempt to antagonize me is like almost like the greatest thing i ever saw because you got to think right before i dropped tupac must die like um like the title itself was really inspired by romeo must die i think it's obvious right uh, i don't yeah. know I, I don't think it was that obvious but it, i thought it was obvious i thought it was, it
2: was i mean yeah, it makes uh, sense my me, mind. right so
1: yeah. um The idea behind the story. So this is what's crazy, right? So hold it. First off, no ceilings. GL, my man Peter Boss and the Spizz not going to work, right? So click on right. So 2012, I leave Cash Money Records. 2011, I leave Cash Money Records. I'm in the studio with DJ Head. I'm working on what is White Lightning Two at the time, right? and I'm recording all these songs. And everybody or anybody who knows me knows that Scarface is like my favorite rapper. You know what I mean? Like he, like I have the utmost respect for Scarface probably more than any other MC to ever breathe. Just as a artist, like a vocally performing artist not necessarily the same cultural phenomenon that I celebrate about Snoop, you know which is why I say he's the greatest hip hop artist ever. Um, not the business acumen of a whole, which is why, you know, you know, he's the most successful rapper ever uh, or the creative brilliance of Kanye West. You know, all my top five guys or the or the imagination and and the lushness of that is Rick Ross. Scarface rapping. Right. Is literally I, I said it's like if 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 God of the Old Testament was an MC, that's how he, he would sound and rap about the same stuff Scarface rapped about. Yeah. Right. So I was super inspired by Scarface making music at that time in 2011. And DJ head comes into the studio right now. DJ has been DJing about four years, but he picked it up lightning fast. You know, what I mean, he knew exactly what to do with it. It's, it's almost unbelievable how fast he became a great DJ. And I'm recording in the booth and he comes to the door of the booth. He like, man, why is all your fucking songs slow? I'm like, what you mean? Music is slow. I'm like, nigga, music is just music. He like, nah, man, it's BPMs, beats per minute. And I'm like, the fuck you talking about? I'm like, man, beat it. You know what I mean? get the fuck out of here. So, he goes in the engineer room with Tommy. And uh, I come out. I'm listening to the song. I'm like, yeah, this song hard cruising. You ain't fuck with this. He like, man, it's just so slow. And I'm like, man, blah, blah, blah. So I walked out of that control room, right? Studio Signal Hill and I walked into the other control room. And I came back and he was in the booth recording in the same cadence to the same beat on my fucking song slow. Like just being an asshole. Right? So I'm like, what the fuck? So <laughs> I'm like, man, what are you talking about? Music is slow. Because how could it, he like it's rhythm BPM? He said, like, you know, hit your chest. No, he told me tap the table. And, you know, I was tapping it to the beat. He like, he was playing my song. He like, see, this is your song. And he said, this is a Scarface song. And he played, he said, it's the same tempo. He said, the difference is this is a Snoop song and I'm tapping faster. And I'm like, holy shit. Like there is a difference, right? But before that music to me was just ballads and Luke. (laughs) Ballad (laughs) and Luke and everything in the middle was the same thing because I wasn't going to parties to dance. I mean, it ain't like these, you know, G-Funk was making music as fast as, you know, Bill of DeVoe or New Jack Swing or something. It's not that speed. So that was like the first revelation I had, you know, in in, in the step of the education that is the record business. And from that point on, like, I just kind of fell down this hole. Like, he had pushed me down this hole. And I'm falling. I'm catching BPM. I'm starting to hear the samples. I'm hearing how, you know, genres matter. You know what I mean? Where you at around the country. I noticed the West Coast really took the funk. I noticed the South took the blues. I noticed the Midwest took the R&B. And I noticed the East Coast took the jazz. You know what I'm saying? So now I'm falling, falling. So now I'm learning records. I pick it up. I got a decent understanding. You know, then you keep falling because now you're starting to understand what's hip-hop. You're like, oh, okay. It's way more than just it ain't really the music. You know, what I mean, it's the way people from urban street culture is culture. You know, what I mean, how they was freaking the music and culturally, you know, it depends on where you at determines how they freaking the music. But it's all rooted in urban street culture, you know, densely populated crime written neighborhoods. Sounds like, oh, OK, so now I'm getting the vibe for that. And then I started understanding marketing. Right. What marketing was branding Right. It's like understanding your business. Marketing is understanding your customers. Mm -hmm. And when they line up, right, you have an amazing business. Right. So I was like, damn. So it became eight years of this shit. I tried to put out music and I couldn't because my mind was just I'm falling down the hole. I could never grab nothing to stop me from falling. And it was just crazy. And um. Right around 2018, towards the end, I noticed, I was like, holy shit, this is way deeper than I thought. So I didn't got all this information. So now as I started understanding the business that Glasses Malone Records needed to be, it became apparent. Right. Understanding the brand. Right. How do people see the brand that is Glasses? Where am I really an expert at? You know, where, what urban street culture am I uh, a professor in? Like, what could I teach 99% of the population? What information do I have that they don't have? I'm a crip and I'm a crip in a way, right? To where I've always been sober. I've always asked questions. You know, I fought and shot and everything you could do. Went to jail the whole nine, sold drugs, everything. But I was always awoke. I was never even under the influence of weed i never smoked weed in my life i never drank alcohol in my life so i've always conscious as things were going on so my take on gang banging, right is really unique because it's from very much the experience but with a, a level of rationale so i realized people saw my brand right they look at glasses they're like oh he's a crip so that is something they are willing to accept from me, right? When it comes to my excellence as as a, as a, as, a, as a professor in gang banging, right? Um, moving forward, like my customer is people that are fans of gangster rap. Mm. I was like, okay, so what's gangster, right? And I'm like, okay, this is crime, right? Okay hip-hop is when and the greatest hip-hop is when you unearth culture like culture that hasn't been obviously presented so you know the first time you heard Snoop and them and you seen the video and you seen low riders in the music video right that was them unearthed in the culture the style of the west coast right you see them wearing dickies and Pendletons and chucks and blue laces and hats and in a 501 denim jackets you seen the fashion another aspect of culture right so They've been unearthing culture, you know, in gangster rap for thirty years at this point. So I'm like, damn, man, you know. So I started looking up the word culture, right? And I'm like, okay, these are different aspects. And one aspect stuck out to me, which was morality. I mean, I don't think people really understand morally what's acceptable in our line of lifestyle. And um, something in me decided it was two things I had to do. Right. If I wanted people to care about the culture, I had to put I had to make somebody a part of it that they had vested interest in the mainstream world. Yeah. So it was two ideas I had. One was the start of the riots. Right. And Reginald Denny. Right. How the a trays kicked off what we call the Los Angeles riots in 92.
2: When that video comes out, do I still get to play Reginald Denny? You have to. You have to. Yes. Right. So,
1: and then, uh, it was that or Tupac Shakur, right. Who, when I was growing up was culturally ours, you know, he belonged to urban America, he belonged to like, my mom bought me a CD. Like he's perfect. Like he has the right attitude. You know what I'm saying? So, um, he was culturally ours initially, but as he passed away and reached his Heights as a musician and as an entertainer, and then he passed away. So tragically it sent him into a trajectory. Right. That was Jesus like. Right. It was Mm -hmm. like Jesus where he became a figure you could pray to and in theory, unite people. And then so they created just like Christianity, they created a whole religion around Tupac that with all due respect altered some of the facts. You know what I mean? For for the justification of bringing humanity together like Constantine, when he ordered, when he you know, when he. When he orchestrated what would be called Christianity, it was the goal to bring Rome together. So they allowed things that didn't have to necessarily be true, you know, as they made it the truth because this was the smartest way to un- you you know unify people, stop these fights. And that's what I think the legacy of Tupac does. You know, what I mean they have, you know, it's a religion, and you have preachers, right? You have bond first, you have art of dialogue, right? Who are really some intelligent brothers and different people who run around preaching the gospel of Tupac Shakur. And it don't matter if it's not real or if it's false or none of that. It's like, long as it brings people together in the name of Tupac. Like I realized there was a TV, it was a movie called, uh, um, it was a superhero, like like a, a knockoff x Men. the Watchmen. It's not a knockoff X-Men, forgive me, the Watchmen. Right. And it was the same. It was the same moral storyline of Jesus or, you know, pop where people bring. They they created a lie. Right. They made uh, uh, Russia look like they were about to attack America. Right. To bring. You know, the, or, or no, excuse me, I take that back. Uh, 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 alien superhero was attacking Earth to stop the war between America and Russia. You know what I mean, they made this. Yeah. This figure, this alien figure from another planet seemed like he was attacking the Earth so all of the countries could come together, you know, and stop warring. And even though it was based off the premise of a lie, it didn't matter. It didn't fucking matter. Feel me? It didn't matter. And that's what happens with the legacy of Tupac Shakur at this point. They're creating a religion around it. You know what I mean? To unite people. So it's okay. You know what I mean? It's okay. And and, um, long story short, so when I decided to make the song, I realized I needed to take a mainstream event that had somebody in it that the mainstream people care about, and then somebody from the urban streets that I'm from or the lifestyle that they may have misunderstood.
2: You kind of, in a way, just declared yourself Homer to Tupac's Odysseus. With like the Iliad and the Odyssey. Sure, sure. And
1: my goal was never to disc you can't discredit Tupac's record. That's just stupid. Like let's start. Tupac's record is one of the ma- is one of the most amazing and greatest comeback stories in the history of human beings. Yeah. You know I mean, period. It's like I don't think Rudy's comeback story is as great as Tupac's comeback story. Like tupac's comeback story is one of the greatest comeback stories in the history of mankind feel me like is that great but i realized that you know the story was to be told about the urban street experience and i knew how to tell it in a much more detailed and deeper way that was thought out and how it goes because i'm experienced at it and i've studied it enough to understand it outside of my own understanding so all of these things went into the thought that was Tupac must die to do it mm. and to watch people in the comments reduce it down to cloud chasing. Like, oh, he just said Tupac name. It's like you're discrediting real like thought like this took me years to come up with this idea. Like these are not simple ideas. You know what I mean like if you listen to the depth of the song, you will hear, you know, with gangbanging, you'll hear a lot of the issues in it. You know, what I mean, a lot of the the malfunctionings of it, you know, the 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 the, you know, the overvalue of pride is in that song. You know, if, if you know, if we get back to the city, everybody going to try me. That's how you that's really kind of the of it.
2: whole thing of the song. I mean, when I first saw the project, I was like, oh, that's, you know, kind of taking the most high profile gang related murder of all time and using that as an illustration to kind of define what happens and why things happen in real time in that world for other people who don't get it, you know, like, that's how it came off to me.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. So,
2: um, it was just like the greatest illustration example ever for that, you know, that area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I put a lot into the song. The title itself was like the, probably the easiest thing because I was just watching John Tucker must die. And I was like, Oh, Romeo's not must die. John Tucker must die. Sure. Tupac must die. a film. <laughs> I didn't even think of it. Like <laughs> people would Tucker. say like must die. Like, like I think they get the feel I'm talking about his legacy or something weird. You know, pe- sometimes people aren't that, Bright, you know what I'm saying? They, like they are entirely too intellectually lazy to even care to process an idea. They have too many things going. They're too busy to think. Let's just be honest. Cause so, long story short, um, we shoot the whole video first person. You know, the whole video is shot first person. You know, you you got to experience what it's like to to be with your homeboys. I turned you into a gangbanger, and I gave you the mind state. I gave you the the uh the things that I remember clearly about being a gang member, I gave you the the arrogance, I gave you the 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 pride, the, the the ego, I gave you the concern, I gave you the pressure, where niggas is like, yeah, you gonna let this nigga get to? I gave you everything I ever got as a gang member in less than five minutes.
2: I got a question. The first person perspective of the video and and most of it is on foot is it a coincidence that like i don't think the the beat or the baseline it's kind of got this plotting kind of sound to it like matches up with a guy walking glunk 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 like it kind of fits in with a person just walking around all the time you know (laughs) it's like perfectly it's a
1: very it is a very plotty type of sound and very menacing and thought, but it's so much into that song and that record to watch people like, oh, he just said Tupac's name. It's like, you know, and and that shit's hilarious to me, you know. But anytime I talk about it, you know, people talk about it to this day. They remember it. You feel me? And what what made me comfortable with? I, I knew what to expect, right? Um, mm. I definitely didn't think people was this lazy intelligent. Like I thought, by now people would start figuring it out, but they still got some more time, right? Um, it's almost weird because, um, because what I'm saying, I, I don't actually see how is disrespect at all. That's what I've been trying to figure out. People are like, oh, he, it's a two, P this Tupac, even when Dre was like. When Dr. Dre was arguing with me in the studio and I'm listening to him I'm like, "Nigga, diss Tupac, nigga, why would I diss Tupac?" He like, "You got a song called Fuck Tupac." I'm like, "No, I don't. Kind of dumbass shit is that? Like Tupac passed away and I'm a Tupac, you know, I love Tupac's music. Why would I diss Tupac?" He was like, "Well, you know that's and that's what somebody told him." So that's how people are passing the message. Mm-hmm. Like and I'm starting to realize it's actually not the content at all. It's how people are passing the message of the song. And most likely it's coming from somebody who never watched the song or the visual rather. They never heard the song and they're just passionate. And I'm starting to realize like I'm counting the views on YouTube is at 3 million views on Facebook before my Facebook got stolen. It was at 5 million views on Twitter. It's at 2 million views, right? So you're talking about a total of, you know, 10 million views, you know, on, on Instagram, maybe another million views, whatever it is. It's way more people talking about it. So that means all of these people didn't see it, yet they have an opinion about it. And I started to think about where we at in today's time where people just read the headline and they think they know the story.
2: Yeah, and the same thing was true also about Tupac's shooting itself. Like how many people around hip-hop media had some sort of speculative, you know, conspiracy theory or whatever about what was behind it or how it happened, why all these different things for years, you know? But what
1: I realized the brilliance in it all wouldn't be respected unless it was by like, like a colleague or like somebody critical. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. meant to be a mass thing. And I realized that about NWA's fuck the police or anytime you unearth a thought in culture, right. It's not for the mainstream to pick it up at that level. Now, you know, a song like I just released, right? Kanye should have never married that bitch. That's a little bit more mainstream, right? Because the concept is easier, right? Um, mm. You can't turn a whole into a housewife. That's an easy overstated concept in hip hop, at least culturally from us. Not from everybody mm. else. I think a lot of the other, you know, the 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 East, the West, the East, the Midwest, and the South. I don't know if they quite agree because. They culturally, the South, they'll marry strippers and all kind of crazy shit. Um, the East, same way. And the Midwest, you know, I you know they're a lot like us. They not, yeah, they not, they not going to save them. The East will yeah. save them. The South will save them. But the, the Midwest and the West, like, we just ain't going to save them. So it, it's a little easier. And I also think the rhythm of the music, how fast it is as a, as a record. So Tupac Must Die became this super duper, anomaly and pariah. And it's funny because somebody was talking to me. They was like, man, I just knew people was going to do other versions of that song. You know, like they would make another rapper. And I'm like, the problem is people think I just said a rapper or certain fans would come to me. Right. And Peter be like, Oh man, when you going to do Biggie must die. And I'm like, I don't know what happened to Biggie nor what happened to Biggie is a street story. Yeah. That's not a street story. Right. That, Like, nobody in the streets know what happened to Biggie. Like, that's how I knew it was, like, a real high-dollar hit. You know what I mean? Some crazy shit. It wasn't, like, regular. With Tupac, when when Pac got shot, we knew in real time to the T. Like, we knew when they jumped on, you know, Cuz in the casino, all the way to when he caught up with him and found out he got shot before the news said it. Because street business travels in the streets. Biggie shit was never street business. Nobody had an idea what happened. It wasn't even like nothing. With Tupac, it was unanimous at the same time. We all got the same calls and was calling each other around. Like Man, them boys and them got that pot, you know what I'm saying, for jumping on him. And it was never like really no sad feeling. It was just that's how we're going the streets. It's normal. Yeah. But to, to, to have this work and people realize it and just... You know, they are so intellectually lazy or so, you know, consider themselves a fan. I'm telling you, it's no different than when I talk to like, I don't I don't like talking about religion, especially Christianity. Right. Because I don't study Christianity the way other people do. I don't. First off, I don't study it under somebody watching down on me like a preacher or somebody trying to tell me. And nor do I study the Bible is not the beginning. I mean, Christianity itself. You know, it starts with multiple different things way before that, even before, you know, the the Council of Nicaea convened, you know what I'm saying? Before that, like, the ideas were already there, you know what I'm saying? Even if it wasn't called Christianity. So that's how I feel. And you just, like, I I watch it and I watch how many, like, I got a chance to talk to Dre about how many people hated them at the fuck the police. I was able to get some counsel from Ren. I was able to get counsel from the outside and I realized when you make real gangster rap, like people don't like it. They're outraged. When Snoop first came out, dog, I'll never forget. It was a church group or a church collective, a bunch of churches bought like mm. two, 300 of his CDs and then put them out in the streets and had all these people out there rooting against it. Right. And they were, and they were, um, and they were like, they rolled them
2: over with like a steam press. I mean it was on the news. Even even in Watts, 99% of people still call the police. Like if something happens to them, you know, that's significant enough. Someone might be like, oh, they're not gonna show up, I'm not gonna call. But if it matters enough, 99% of people are still gonna call the police, you know. And those are the people that are gonna make up most of the audience. I thought one of the interesting points you made kind of in passing a second ago was like if, um, or you were saying like, like people get, like fans who, who don't know the guy, get more passionately like engaged, like emotionally over the death of Tupac or celebrities in general, you know, than like you would in a circumstance that makes sense over someone that you knew personally. Like if someone from, you know, your hood that you knew wouldn't got involved in, you know, deal whatever to somebody else and they came back and got them. I mean, you're going to have to do what you're going to have to do, but you're probably, you're not going to be irrationally like out of your mind over how it could possibly have taken place. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, You know what it is too. And I realized looking at it, I realized the difference between me and most people. And I have to stop calling myself that. Like fan is short for fanatic. Mm. A fanatic is a person filled with excessive and single-minded zeal, especially for any extreme purpose, whether it's religion or political cause. So a person filled, so a, a Tupac fan or a Tupac fanatic or a Snoop Dogg fanatic or a Snoop Dogg fan, is a person filled. With excessive and single-minded zeal for yeah. this artist, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm a fanatic of anyone.
2: No, I I, I can't cross that bridge either. It's it's uh it's a state of delusion. I mean, it's 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 artificially manufacturing a relationship with a person that you don't know and have never met that doesn't exist. You know, it, it involves an emotional bond that's not real.
1: And it's people, man, who jump in my DMs once or twice a year, and literally just will cuss me out. And I'll ask them when I got time and feel like being bothered. I'll be like, "Why are you upset? <laughs> I feel like,
2: like being bothered?" How you just said, <laughs>
1: <laughs> "What is wrong?" He was like, "Well, you made that song dissing Tupac." Well, how did I diss him? Well, you know, you you just capitalizing off his death. I'm like. Anybody that talks about Tupac today capitalizes off his death. If they're telling a story that you feel favors him, it's capitalizing off his death. If you feel is somebody who says something negative, if somebody puts out a verse, they're capitalizing off the fact he died and you start making sense to people. And because they are so single-mindedly, you know, excessively, just enthusiastic about a person they they're single-minded and the point about hip-hop is it's all about that upside down perspective so how if, if you're a fanatic of Tupac Shakur right there's no way possible you can understand this song like if somebody's a fanatic of the police department and police services fuck the police could never make sense it don't matter which point you point out, like to me, Tupac must die was not like the goal was not to take an opposing side against Tupac Shakur. That's just silly. It's not about that. It's to inform you right on the morality of a specific urban street culture. This crippling. you know what I mean yeah. gangbanging, blood do the same exact thing. Like, and we morally all agree that it's the right thing to do, and we all respect it. So I'm shedding a light. You know, in in a place in hip hop that's never been shared before morally, but if somebody's a single minded, if they're a single minded in excessive, you know what I mean, silliness over a person or a cause, I I I'm more delusional to think they can understand it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and it hit me like, I am not a fanatic. I'm not a fan of any fucking bodies. Yeah, I'm not a fan of anyone. I don't think I'm single minded about or excessive about any person. The closest would be Scarface, and yes, Scarface can do wrong. I, what's weird to me is with Tupac Must Die, I don't think I pointed out anything wrong about him. I didn't say, Oh, he did this wrong. I'm giving you a person's perspective of how they see it. And he didn't say he did nothing wrong. He like, oh, I'm gonna show this nigga because he showed every other nigga that wasn't Tupac just as well. Even to his death, the nigga got into a crazy shootout with some niggas and showed them and died in the process. This is a nigga consistently showing and proving that he is not to be taken advantage of or disrespected. <laughs> I had the craziest conversation with Reg about this. Right. And, and this was offline. And I was telling Reg, Reg, genuine Ridge, Reggie. Right. Right. Was he ran the company that's death row. He was security. You know, he's a he's a po- He was a police early on in his, in his, in his life because his father was like a legendary, probably the most legendary lawman from Compton. He was like a lawman that everybody in Compton respected. Like it didn't matter, you know, re- real. Like we was talking about it the other day, real one percenter in gang bang culture is the same culture. Really, people don't really disrespect the police like personally, like you understand the value for law and you run your place through law. It's, it's more or less you don't fuck with big government. You know what I mean, fed government. Yeah. So, right. Um, and Reggie was really convinced that they put out, you know, and I've heard OG uh, 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 Keefe D said, I don't believe it. I don't give a fuck what they say. If you put out a $7,500 or $10,000 bounty on a motherfucking death row chain, cuz nigga, not only would everybody be fighting from one gang, the mob, right, for their chains, Daz and Corrupt would have been in trouble. $10,000? $10, $10,000 motherfucking dollars? You know what the type of shit motherfuckers did in 1996 and watch, Damn, that's yeah. a 20% down payment on a house. You know how many cutlasses and Regal's ten thousand dollar buy? Man, niggas would have been looking for Daz and corrupt. So, if you put a bounty out on a chain, bounties don't go to one neighborhood. The niggas is gonna tell other niggas for sure. Baby Lane would have told Dre, or Lane would have told niggas from Nutty Block, or niggas from neighborhood, Compton neighborhood, the niggas that they freak. Why did them niggas wasn't looking for chains? You know, I'ma verify further, but I just do not believe for two motherfucking seconds that it was a ten thousand dollar bounty on about 50 chains and didn't no chains come up missing. This is this is Southern California, my nigga. This is a Crip country. It is literally (laughs) 20, 30 Crips for every one blood. And Crips don't like Crips. So Daz and corrupt for short, Snoop would have been on the chopping block for ten thousand dollars. Right now, I could pay ten thousand dollars and get Snoop shot. Shot for ten. If I give a nigga ten thousand, they will shoot the shit out of dog. And it's Snoop. They gonna be like ten thousand ain't enough. Nigga I'm like ten thousand right now with inflation. Ten thousand can't get you nothing but a couple, you know, tanks of gas now. Ten thousand can't get you nothing but a couple in and out meals now.
2: Yeah. You it's ain't st- it's no still way. a chicken-based celebration dinner. No steak.
1: 10000 <laughs> 10, nigga. 10000 in 1996 would have got you 10 cutlasses and a Regal.
2: 50K probably during there right
1: now. Right? 10, 10 cutlasses and a Regal, nigga. And I'm talking about clean cutlasses with euros, nice interior. You know what I mean? 27,000 miles. You'd have had some nice G-body cutlasses and Regals, cuz. So, feel me? Right now, $10,000, nigga, that will get you just one clean cutlass. You can't even get a grand back then. You could have got two grand nationals for 10,000 and 96. So, you mean to tell me dog would have been walking around with a chain? T- man, them niggas would have been on them niggas like boy white on rice. 10,000? $10, 10,000 dollars? Niggas is crazy, man. 10,000. I don't give a fuck what all them niggas saying. None of them G niggas. I love all of them with all my heart and soul. And I, and I think they be right. 90% of the time. But some of this shit is ridiculous. If I put a $10,000 bounty right now on any nigga chain in the city and $10,000 cause is not what $10,000 used to be. There's not a nigga click chain. If if it's more than 10 chains, nigga, I will have three of them motherfuckers for $10,000.
2: Right yeah, now. there'd be a run on your bank. How many would come back? 10000 Right now, you're like I only had a bounty for one, I didn't have a bounty 10, for sixteen.
1: <laughs> ten thousand ain't nothing but four months' rent and watts. That's what 10, 10, 000, that's four months' oh, rent and watts. Ten thousand. Feel me, ten thousand in any other city is two to three months. So, it, it. People think I'm starting to get that people think I'm crazy, right? So there's there's a there's a two problems. Dies a weird entity, right? Because, um. because like right the conversation is with fanatics mm-hmm. right? and, and is they're single-mindedly objective and and to some people, um nothing Tupac did could warrant his death that Tupac could have raped their mother and it didn't warrant their death Tupac could have you know molested somebody and that didn't warrant his death to this version of a fanatic again, yeah. like if you talk to a Christian, you know what I mean, and you explain to them Jesus was a man walking the earth, and of course he did something wrong. No, Jesus didn't do nothing. It's impossible, and it's like, well, why couldn't he have? You know I mean, but again, when you're a fanatic, you know, when you're single-minded, you know, and you're and you're filled with excessive zeal for a entity or a person, there's no way possible. And and even with Tupac must die, like it's not. You shouldn't dislike Tupac if you hear the song. Like you don't, you don't have to dislike Tupac. All I'm expressing to you is the the morality of gang members.
2: Yeah. I don't get what the fuck is the problem. It's just these orthodox Tupac fundamentalists. (laughs) Orthodox (laughs) Tupac fundamentalists. I had an idea
1: I was going to do with the outlaws, Mo Preen, different niggas. I wanted to make something called the Thible, the Thug Bible, right? And it's Mm -hmm. the two Testament. And it's, it's like, just like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I would have, you know, all of the outlaws, all of the, the surviving members of Thug Life, of Tretch, all write these, these biblical chapters, these books, you know, like Bible books on their experiences with Tupac. And then i would compile it and make it you know i would i would create a council of compton right a, a, a council of compton right that literally has that creates this religion that follows the thug laws of tupac and you could create a legit religion from it because tupac's legend has to be like you know bigger than jesus legend was in that time like like between tupac between jesus dying you know, being hung on the cross all the way to when they created Christianity, his legend was spreading. But his legend didn't spread as much as PoX did after he passed away to 2000. Tupac's legend is worldwide. It is infectious and people love it. So all you need to do is give them an organized way to practice said religion and to follow. Like I was, so again today, like, um, um, Kanye should have never married that bitch. Took place in a wedding chapel, but they see a cross. He's like, "How dare you, you know, um, take that symbol of Jesus Christ and, and and you defile it with your visuals of of using profanity." And I was like, "Well, did Kanye you- put Kim in the church. No one complained to him. I- God chased people. I mean, Jesus chased people out the church with a broom." People chased him out the temple with a broom swinging on him, trying to whack him. Feel me? So not to mention, Jesus did not select the cross as his symbol. That's like me. I'm alive. My number is seven. That's my number. So if you wanted a number that represent me, seven. And then I pass away and you for some reason talking about I got shot three times so my number is three. Bitch, my number was seven. That's my number. If you follow me, and you really fuck with me. How you let a bunch of other motherfuckers tell you what my number was that represent? Oh, he got shot three times. So his number is three. Bitch, no, it's not. And that's how I feel about when they talk to me about Jesus with the cross. Bro, y'all chose that shit for y'all selfish purposes of like, oh, he died for our sins on the cross. No, bitch, that represents your relationship. What represents Jesus is something that Jesus fuck with that he picked. And I feel like that with Tupac. Too, I, I keep explaining this to, to people, right? Tupac loved the streets. He embraced them. He embraced everything that came with them. And you watch people talking about they Tupac fans and they NIP fans and they trying to down the streets. These two niggas love the streets. They would never turn their back on the streets. Some people say, oh, it caused their death. That's why they died. No, they die because you got to die. You is not going to live on this motherfucker forever. You got to die. How you go out what's more important than, than the fact you got to die is how you live. And them two gentlemen understood that the best. They understood that living a certain way was more important than just dying. And they chose to live the way they wanted to live. So. It's weird that, like I said, if I say I'm a Tupac, like I I enjoy Tupac's music or before I realize I'm not a fanatic of anyone, like I would consider myself a fan of Tupac. I enjoyed his music thoroughly. And somebody said, well, how could you be his fan and make a song like Tupac Must Die? And I'm like, that's exactly why you can make the song.
2: Yeah, I mean, people are huge. It's usually people who have a passion for something, that research something that try to answer an unsolved question or a question that's maybe been solved, but not necessarily relayed to people. You have to be,
1: you know, indoctrinated in that person.
2: Mm. You know what I
1: mean, so it's like, it, it's just been a weird experience, man. The whole thing was a weird experience. You know what I'm saying? But it was great. It was, It was. so by far it was the first time I ever was called a clouch. I don't even know what that is like I always had clout since high school. I don't even never not remember being one of those niggas. That would be like
2: tantamount to saying that at the height of his career that the game was a clout chaser because he always was always referring to like legendary West Coast rappers all the time and shit in his
1: music. I think they only call it clout chasing, right? If if it's uh if they feel the conversation is negative. If if you use it in a positive manner, like where Chuck, w- which he uses those names, they say he's a uh what's the word called? He always um uh it, it's it's a word for it too. Name something. Uh he Chuck, they be like, game be uh I forgot anyway. It, it didn't matter to me because I don't I don't subscribe to none of that silly ass shit. I, I feel like People talk about things that people want to tune into. Mm. You know what I'm saying? People talk about things that people want to tune into. And the thing about, you know, Tupac must die was the title is because that was the mind state of the person he jumped. Not only was it a film, but I shot it first person. So if you watch the video, you watched it from the eyes of somebody that got jumped by Tupac and his friends. You know I mean, that's yeah. why he must die, based off of the fact that that was that, right? It made perfect sense. Um, I I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think this should even be hard for a fanatic to understand because this doesn't go against anything that Tupac said or stood for. Like, it's people who argue and they be like, "Oh, Tupac wasn't a gang member," and I'm like. Tupac said he was from the mob. Like he started claiming mobs, started saying MOB and money over bitches and it's Pyru and talking about, you know, Long Beach Boulevard and Rosecrans. And, you know, I think he was already, you know, vested in the community at that point.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, pretty reasonable. Do you think that, like, a lot, of, like, I could understand somebody from, I don't know, like, Irvine or suburban Phoenix or wherever the hell being a fan with no perspective do you feel that a lot of the people who you know are hypercritical of the project to you would fit that um, description or that they're like really street people who are just for some reason clouded by this one exceptional character
1: for the most part, nobody in the streets feels like that. What I realize, most people who do feel that way have never seen a video. Like, okay. I, I would I would dare someone to read the lyrics and see the visuals and not say like, oh, this is genius and it's not a pot disk. But again, it's a reason why it's only 10 million views across the net, you know what I mean? Yet there's 100 million to 300 million opinions.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: you know I mean, it, it, it's it's a it's a cold thing. You feel me? It, it's a it's 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 almost unbelievable, dog. And I've
2: been a lot of people for sake of the conversation surrounding it couldn't probably either didn't want to couldn't bring themselves to watch it. Yeah, like and, and, like and, like voter suppression of like viewer suppression. Yeah, yeah, because. I think
1: somewhere in their mind, they thought if they watched it, that, um, that they, if they, if they watched it, that they may have a different opinion of somebody there, you know, they're single-mindedly and excessively filled with enthusiasm about, Yeah, oh, like, I don't get it. and And, I, and I'm going to tell you how I know it's true and possible, right? Um, during those eight years of studying the business and going crazy and like, you know, I realized like somebody like Michael Jackson, right? Westside, real quick. I got you on the podcast. I'm talking to Pete. Um, What is it when somebody uses names all the time to actually verify their point or to make you interested? Like, I work with this nigga, this nigga. What do we call that? Name? What do we call it? Oh, name dropping. No, name something. What what was the slang word for what we call that? Uh, Name
0: dropping.
1: Name dropping. My nigga be name dropping. So if you yeah. say something positive or what people revere as positive about other people, they say it's name dropping. If you say something that people feel is negative, they will call it clout chasing. Clout chasing the hate. So either way, whether you fuck with niggas that's celebrity or popular, you feel me? I'll meet you back, nigga. Whether you fuck with people that's celebrity or popular, like people are going to get mad about it.
2: Like... Can I put you on a spot real quick? Yeah, for sure. In your opinion, based off of all the people you know and all the people you've talked to and known for years that were around, Pac and all and, and I all of it.
1: Around Pac, I was a kid. No,
2: you weren't, but you know a lot of people. from I talked to a lot of people that were yeah. And, yeah. and were around Death Row and the scene and all of it. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah sure. The content sure. and all of that. Yeah, hands down. Was there any element of Tupac's We'll call it relationship with Mob Pyru that had anything to do with beneficial branding or positive feedback of any kind of sort, other than just pure organic social proximity. No, there's no economic benefit.
1: Gangs are like super duper welcoming, you know, there's always a member. Right. That's trying to figure out, man, maybe I can change my life. Maybe this could put me in a legal light to earn economically. So, yeah, there's always those guys. But for the most part, gangs are just proud that you want to be a part of them.
2: I'm not asking from the perspective of the gang. I'm asking from the perspective of of the of the rapper. Like, does the rapper's affiliation with the name brand title of at the time when West Coast uh, Gangster uh, Raps at like full throttle.
1: I, I genuinely think when Pac came home, Pac had read some really great books, Art of Wars 1. I think Pac came home with a marketing strategy. Mm-hmm. He put together a marketing strategy sitting in jail that was going to be foolproof. Um, Did I think he initially was in jail was like, yeah, when I come home because I'm signing Def Row, I'm going to bang the mob. I'm with Suge. No, but I think what happened was when he came home, he saw how dope niggas was. Like, he saw how dope Trayvon Lane was. He saw how dope Buntry Al was. He saw how dope Heron was. He saw the love of niggas who grew up poor together and the camaraderie of it. And it's very infectious. You know what I mean? Like, like when you see how niggas get down with each other, I mean, I got partners from the mob. My boy Mikey Rue locked up. Zabo, rest in peace. Turn, Rob, I can go through 20, 30 names of mob niggas, drew recipes, different niggas that I genuinely love. Feel me? And, you know, you, you come up in the same, yeah, it's not culture; it's a little different, but it's the same community and you realize you got so much in common with niggas. And I think when Pac came home, don't get me wrong, I think definitely when he signed with Death Row, he realized like, yeah, this nigga kind of, I'm not feeling how these niggas is on top. And they did kind of you know get my style of talking to the girls and shit so feel me and i got shot in the town and i could kind of take it where i want to take it like he had a plan for sure but i don't think his plan involved let me c- become a mob pyro. i think that happened organically i thought yeah. they saw him and they liked him this nigga you know it's a young wild nigga this nigga 24 you know what i mean he's a superstar to some degree he's a he's a star you know what i mean he's in films you know I mean? And he's like a nigga. You know, Pac is a nigga. You know what I mean? Like, feel me? He was vocal, open. He had survived jail. He had been shot. There's a lot of things to respect about his experience when you come from our backgrounds. You like, shit, man, this nigga, this nigga just got out of prison. And then they got a parole number. You feel me? They fucking with him. You know, he, you know, he came from the same slum. So you love it. And he vocal. This nigga is bright and loud on niggas. Yeah, nigga, popping and shit. So I could see how they could be indoctrinated into you know fucking with him and supporting him. He's a fucking awesome, he's an awesome light, you know what I'm saying? Going on. Yeah. And and from his eyes, you know, you talking about niggas that's down as a motherfucker. Yeah, you know I mean them motherfucking niggas was down. They was with it and they was going, you know, they wasn't like no other niggas pop was around. No disrespect to nobody from from the bay, you know, from up top. No disrespect to none of the homies from Thug Life and, and none of that. But them niggas was some shit. And them niggas, was they will press a hard line. And I think he saw that in that camaraderie, that love they have for each other, and that style, and that culture, and that fashion, and that get down. And he fell in love with it, too. It's hard not to. You see rappers today falling in love with it right now, singers. You know what I mean? It's, it's a very infectious thing. So I genuinely think, nah, he wasn't really. It, that wasn't part of the plan. And I'll be honest. You know I mean, I'll say some honest on this podcast and, and it's something I don't share often, but I definitely think. Well, I think it was obvious. The beef with bad boy wasn't real from his perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. It was
1: just competitive. You know what I mean, he wanted to compete for that spot. You know, Snoop had one spot. It wasn't take. it wasn't no taking Snoop spot. Snoop was the nigga. You know what I mean, but Biggie's spot had, was a big deal. And this was his little homie. You know what I'm saying? This was his little nigga that he put on and put him on stages and fucked with him and, you know, showed him love. And now this nigga come home and you and Jeff, this nigga is the man. Big is the fucking man. And, you know, you see some little things being said. You see some things that you feel was played around so you could create enough of an attitude to compete. Now, how do you formulate the public to support you competing? You can't just say, well, them niggas ain't better than me. Right. It's like, no. So, a lot of times he allowed the public to be misled with belief that, you know, people really feel like Biggie had something to do with him getting shot or Biggie set him up or Biggie called niggas. And Pac always said that's not true. But he did give you little small tidbits to where you think that could be possibly true. So that rallies you around. Like Pac understood war differently and he came home with a plan to execute it. So, no, I, I don't think genuinely, bro, that 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 was, um, I don't think that's what he was on. I don't think he came home like, yeah, I'm finna be from mob. I think he saw, like I said, them names, them names, them niggas, you know, shook them and really was like, man, I fuck with this. I fuck with these niggas and they down for me. You know what I'm saying? And they saw him and saw a little uh, light, a flashlight, like a light, like a light from God, like a beam, you feel me? And they was like it. You know, they was attracted to each other, the whole movement, and they got down and it ended up producing, you know, possibly, you know, one of the greatest hip hop albums or greatest albums ever to come out in music. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough, man, because while I do get how a fanatic can feel about something, right? But if you took the time to look at it and watch it, you feel me? It's not against pop. The idea is informative, it's to help you understand. But again, the point I was making when I lost my train of thought earlier and we'll jump off because I don't want to drag this shit out. But when I was along my studies from 2011 to 2019, I'm still studying now. But this is when I was at the grassroots and, you know, getting my uh, my bachelor's in record making, you know, getting my master's in hip hop, you know, getting my doctorates in marketing. Right. As as I'm on that journey for those from 2011 to 19, I learned about Michael Jackson. I learned Michael Jackson dance move came from a a gentleman named Bob Foss and a couple of mixed components. But a lot of the way he's moved that we made him popular for or made him original came from Bob Foss. Um, I figured out that, you know, Billie Jean, you know, Billie Jean is just hauling notes. I can't go for that. I realized that Thriller is Rick James. I realize he kind of, you know, took a lot of the feel from Ray Parker. Bad is Ghostbusters. I realized Don't Stop Till You Get Enough is a poorly executed version of of um, Marvin Gaye's got to give it up. He wrote the song in his kitchen with the radio playing. The number one song in the country was Marvin Gaye got to give it up. So if you listen to Michael Jackson, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, it's the reason he sings in falsetto poorly. It sounds horrible. Like it's not the word, <laughs> but it's not Ron Banks from the dramatics. No. You know, that's not his style, but he was so possessed by what Marvin Gaye and Rick James and Prince, you know what I mean? And all that stuff. And Quincy Jones was such a machine that you could tell him and he could make it be that without being that, you know, somebody asked me who did I think Quincy Jones was right. And they said that I think it was Dr. Dre. And I was like, I, I told DJ quick this. I said, if Quick is Prince and Rick James mixed together, his influence on Dr. Dre makes him Quincy Jones. But I don't think Dr. Dre is Quincy Jones. You know who's Quincy Jones? For real, that nigga is some shit. He will make some shit across all landscapes, and he'll make some shit that feel like some shit that ain't that shit. And that's the same thing. True. So while I'm thinking right. The fact that, you know, the greatest, the legends in the history of the game, what I try to do with most niggas around me and what I try to do musically, even with Tupac Must Die, I try to explain to you the stars are not that they're not that far out there. Like these are not just super gifted people or super talented people. Most of these people that are successful at that level, like a Pac was well studied. These niggas study history. These are animals and monsters. Dr. Dre knows more records than anybody in the world. This nigga know all the records. He don't know how to play the piano as much as he know all these records. Scott Storch don't know all these records as much as he know how to play the piano. So again, the great like so I'm telling this to my boy and I'm showing him, you know, a movie of Bob Falls and it called The Little Prince and it's a scene called The Snake. I'm saying where he's teaching this little boy what a snake is and he turns into a human snake. And he's explaining to this boy. And that's where those moves Michael Jackson used from to the point where it's a moonwalk and everything. You know what I mean? And I showed him how I start breaking down all of Michael Jackson's biggest records in the music. And I'm like, yeah, got it from here. And instead of the person I was teaching, instead of him feeling like, oh, I can because he's an artist. He's like, oh, instead of them saying, I can be great. Like greatness is not that far away. If I just put in my work and I study, you know what I'm saying? I can be that. It's like, oh, he's not that. That's the nigga, that was the nigga response. Oh, I thought he was that. That nigga is not that. No, he's that nigga. I'm saying you could be that. That's not a road that hasn't been traveled. That's a well-documented road consistently. And I'm realizing how people are such fanatics that if you express to them how somebody built themselves into something, that steals their joy. Like magic tricks are still magic tricks, even if you know what's behind the curtain but not to everybody else. They can't enjoy the magic trick if they know what's behind the curtains. That's the problem. And to me, that's what Tupac Must Die was. It was showing people what's behind the curtains.
2: Yeah, that's a perfect uh, illustration of like such a huge human behavior and societal issue. It's like people want, like if somebody is regular and they've want to know why they aren't great it's because to be great you have to be endowed from god with something otherwise if anybody could do it i didn't do it and i have to reconcile
1: it. good looking out for tuning in to the no sellers podcast please do us a favor and subscribe, rate, comment, and share. This episode was recorded right here on the West Coast of the USA and produced by my homeboy, A-King for the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. Yeah.
0: I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life.